Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, everyone. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes! You're listening to the show that's all about helping you be smart, strong, and social. We're in your earbuds every single week with all the awesome that you need to know. And you can also find us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show or over on Facebook in our Sorta Awesome Hangout group. This is episode 114 of the show, and we definitely want to give a special shout out and a thank you to our listener supporters. Your $5 a month makes a big difference in keeping this show going. And so if Sorta Awesome, if our recommendations, our community, if any of that has added to your life, we would love for you to consider supporting us by going to SortaAwesomeShow.com slash support. Listeners who support Sorta Awesome have access to our special episodes that are not out there for the public to hear, as well as our brand new exclusive Facebook group that we created just for our super awesome supporters. Again, you can find out more about all of that over at SortaAwesomeShow.com slash support. Okay, so yes, here we are, episode 114 of the show, and I'm joined today by my fun and funny friend and co-host, Rebecca Hoffer of SimplyRebecca.com. Today, we're going to be talking about something that caught our eye in the Sorta Awesome Hangout group way back at the beginning of this year. One of our awesomes posed a really fantastic question for our community. Her name's Jessie, and she asked, what is a lie you've been believing in 2016, and what is the truth that could set you free in 2017? Rebecca, you and I have just been thinking about that so much, and we thought it would make for a good discussion between the two of us today. I am excited to get into it. I think we both have some really good things to share. I think so, too. And maybe some confessions will come out. I feel like when you're on the show, Rebecca, I'm always doing some kind of confession. <laughs> it's like our specialty. And you it know what? I have a running list. I have so many confessions yet to share. I have not run out. <laughs> so fun. So, yes, we are going to get to all of that discussion about lies that we have believed in the past, the truth that we've discovered. We're even going to hear from an expert on how we can further break free from those lies that might be holding us back in life. So we're going to get to all of that awesome discussion here in just a little bit. But first, Rebecca, we're going to start the show the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. This is the time in the show when we just share whatever has been bringing us happiness, bringing us joy, anything awesome, books, movies, TV, all of those kinds of things. So Rebecca, I cannot wait to hear what you have for your awesome of the week this week. Well, fall is here. 
Megan, and I know it. There's know. so many wonderful things about fall. Pumpkin pie blizzards from Dairy Queen. Your favorite. <laughs> My favorite. <laughs> Sweaters and boots and all the things. And it is time to start burning candles again. I love burning candles in my house. But I actually gave up burning candles for quite a while after I had read articles about the harmful chemicals that are in traditional candles. The paraffin wax and the fragrances that are used, it's actually releasing some not-so-good chemicals and toxins into the air, and I decided, okay, I'm going to sacrifice my love for candles and stop burning them, which was so (laughs) sad. That is a big sacrifice for sure, yes. But I have found a candle that meets all of my crunchy needs, and it smells good, (laughs) and I love it. So the company is called Roxana's Candles. You can find the candles at roxanascandles.com. They are 100% soy wax, which is better for you than paraffin. There's no flatelets. There's no dyes or chemical binders. They use wooden wicks because apparently some of the traditional wicks, actually the wick itself is not so hot for us to be breathing in when that burns. They have tons of good scents. So I have tried and love cinnamon stick and pumpkin pie. Yum. They also have lemon zest, fresh cotton, vanilla bean, Macintosh apple, honeysuckle, jasmine, and so many more. I feel like this candle is not super overpowering. I'm not particularly sensitive to that type of thing. So, you know, if you're like super sensitive, you know, you have to just try it for yourself. But I don't feel like it's like a pow in your face type of scent. I feel like it's more subtle, which I like. They are a 16-ounce candle, which burns for over 150 hours. It costs $28 with shipping. So it's a little bit on the pricier side, but compare that to the popular, you know, big traditional candle, and it's comparable. They do have sales that they do, like, throughout the year, so you can maybe get it for cheaper. But it's a family-owned company. Love that. I happen to know the creator. I went to college with her, but that's not why I love these candles. I just love them. (laughs) They're located in Nashville, and they partner with an organization called Rest Stop Ministries, which serves women who were rescued from sex trafficking, which is just amazing. That is amazing. Definitely. Yes. So I am loving these candles. Again, they're called Roxana's Candles. You can find them right there on their website, and you can use the link in our show notes. Thank you for that. It is Definitely candle burning season for sure. And some of the scents that you mentioned sound like so perfect for this time of year. So, and you're so right. A lot of people do have some major concerns. Some of the ingredients in the burning method of some of the more conventional candles, it's it could be a little concerning. So I love that you have found, like you said, one that's a little bit more on the crunchy <laughs> end of the spectrum. So that's perfect. I can't wait to check those out. Okay, well, my awesome of the week this week is a book, and it is a brand new release. In fact, it just came out on September 19th. It is Anne Bogle's book, Reading People. Ooh. Yes, yeah. And the subtitle of her book, Reading People, is How Seeing the World Through the Lens of Personality Changes Everything. Oh, Meg. (laughs) Yes, this book has you written all over it. (laughs) It really does. And it's so pretty too. Here, look, I'm showing you the cover. It's so pretty. I love the way the cover turned out. And what Anne does, so Anne is a friend of mine through the blogging realm. 
And then through podcasting, we've been friends for a long time through our shared interest and shared kind of online work. And in fact, many, many, many years ago, I'll have to do a little internet digging and see if I can find this. But many years ago, when I was still blogging at Sorta Crunchy, when Anne was very first starting her blog, Modern Mrs. Darcy, she did a guest post on Sorta Crunchy for me about an INFP, that is her Myers-Briggs type, going to church and just kind of explaining some of the challenges that INFPs might have with the church setting. And so... Anne and I have bonded over personality stuff so much through the years, so many conversations about that. Also, in the Enneagram system, she is a type nine, which is what I am too. So we have lots of conversations about our shared personality traits. So I have been looking forward to this book from Anne for a long time. It's finally here. It's in my hands. And I love what she has done with this book because she gives a very good overview of almost any component of personality thing that you can think of. She, of course, covers Myers-Briggs very extensively. She talks about the Enneagram system. She touches on strengths finder. She talks about being a highly sensitive person in there. All kinds of stuff that if you have any interest in why people like me, for example, are so fanatical about personality typing and how understanding yourself and increasing your self-awareness through understanding yourself through one of these personality systems can make a radical difference in the way you experience life and the way you experience people around you. If you've ever wondered about that or just kind of wanted to have somebody explain like, okay, I totally get Myers-Briggs, but I do not get how the Enneagram works or, you know, on any of these systems, then this is a great book. And also one thing I love about Anne too is she's very honest and open she tells stories on herself and stories of friends and family that kind of illustrate how our personality comes into play in various situations. And so it's just, it's a fantastic book. It really, truly, in a lot of ways, I'm her ideal reader on this because I just love this stuff so much. <laughs> well, I was sitting here thinking, so like, what kind of book is this? And the thing that came to mind for me, I have not read it, but just from hearing your description of it is it sounds like for personality junkies like you, it's like a dessert book. Mm. It's like it's like you're just there eating it up, just like cake on your birthday. <laughs> absolutely. Yes, absolutely. If you already are into personality stuff, I think you will be like me as you're reading it and just be nodding along as you go through each chapter. If you are a person, though, who kind of always feels left out of conversations about personality stuff, whether they're happening in your real life community or online, and you're just like, oh, I don't know. I don't get it. I don't understand why people even talk about this stuff. Reading People would be a good book for you too because she really shows through real life application why people get so into these systems and how it can make a difference in your life. And one more thing I had to mention about it, a theme that she really draws out through the book is something that I feel so passionately about when it comes to personality stuff is that we don't discover our types in these different systems so that we can, you know, like live with excuses for like, oh, well, I'm an ENFP, so there's no way I would ever do that. Or, you know, we don't use it as a way to shut things out of our lives or as excuses for why we do things or don't do things. It's really about understanding yourself so that you can more fully engage with your community, with the world around you, with your job, family life, all of those things. So she just does a really good job with the whole thing. And it's my awesome of the week. Well, and that is a pretty big endorsement coming from you, Megan. <laughs> <laughs> As always, if you would like to share whatever has been awesome in your life, again, we are always talking about books, podcasts, music, candles, clothes, beauty products, all of the awesome in our life. If you'd like to share what yours is, we do this every single Friday. Over in the Sort of Awesome Hangout on Facebook, you can search for that group, join the group, and we would love to hear what your awesome of the week is over there. 
Hey, awesomes. One of my very favorite things about the fall is getting back into the kitchen to fix up some of my family's favorite comfort foods. But with our busy schedule, honestly, sometimes that just feels like a daydream. In fact, some weeks I can barely make it to the grocery store. And that's why I'm loving the meal kit delivery from Sunbasket. With Sunbasket, I can have dinner ready for my family in less than 30 minutes. Meals that my kids can help me put together, like Tex-Mex tostadas with pickled carrots and avocado crema. There are meals designed to fit every busy lifestyle and every way of eating. With Sunbasket, you can take the guesswork out of all of that prep, you make cleanup easier, and you can even skip the grocery store. So sign up today to see what everybody's talking about with Sunbasket. Go to sunbasket.com sorta today to get $35 off of your first order. That's sunbasket.com sorta for $35 off. sunbasket.com sorta. Thank you, Sunbasket, for being so awesome. Hey, awesomes. Is there anyone on this planet that knows your body as well as you do? Of course not. And yet there is only one company out there who lets you completely customize your monthly period products so that what you need every month gets shipped right to your door. Lola is the woman-owned company that I have been a customer of for years now because they are committed to complete transparency with their entire product line. And all of Lola's products are made from 100% cotton. And Lola is also all about making your month a little bit easier. Your Lola subscription is fully customizable, so you can choose your mix of products, your mix of absorbency, your number of boxes, and how often you want it delivered. You can change up your shipment at any time or even skip a month if you need to. Because the team at Lola wants you to know how awesome it is to have 100% cotton feminine care products shipped to your door every month, they are offering 60% off of your first order. When you go to mylola.com and enter promo code AWESOME60, that's the number six zero, when you subscribe. So to check out Lola and get 60% off your first order, go to mylola.com and enter promo code AWESOME60 when you subscribe. Okay, Rebecca, we have really been talking about this idea for months now. In fact, you and I have kind of bounced some ideas off of each other and and talked through some things just personally and privately as we've thought about this show that this is going to be a hard one because we're going to have to like really get into a vulnerable space. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whose idea was that? Yes, I do believe it was yours. So... Yes, it's going to be a little vulnerable, but we really, really hope that Awesomes, as you're listening to us talk about some of these lies that we've believed in our past, that it is kind of stimulating some conversation and some self-reflection for yourself, because truly all of us fall into these patterns of believing things that maybe they were true at one time, but they're not true anymore, or maybe they've never been true, but we, for whatever reason, circumstance, We've fallen into believing these things and they're really holding us back in life. They're really keeping us from experiencing the fullness of life around us. So we thought before we got into the real serious stuff that we would share some more silly and lighthearted things that we have believed (laughs) now or in the past that we now stand corrected on. Do you have any examples of the sillier lies, Rebecca? I have enough time to fill in the blank. The answer is always no. No, I do not have enough time to do whatever I think 
I can accomplish. Oh my gosh, me too. I still believe this one to this day. Every day, <laughs> every day, I tell myself this lie. I always overestimate what I can accomplish in five minutes. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. Yes. I have heard it said that people who are chronically late, they just are disrespectful. Like that they just, they're self-indulgent. They're disrespectful. They don't care about the feelings or the circumstances of others. no. No, I don't think that applies to me. I think I just am so overly confident in how time works that I think surely I can hop in the shower real quick. It will be okay. It doesn't take me that long. Oh, no. Oh, no. You're going to be late like every single day. (laughs) Right? Yes, it's so true. I suffer from the exact same problem. I sometimes get so frustrated because it's like, I just feel like I don't understand how time works because I will be so sure like, okay, I can totally, you know, do this really quickly and I can still get out the door in time. And it's like you said, every single time and I'm 40 years old and I'm still dealing with this of like, nope, no, you don't have time to place that order on Amazon really quickly before you walk out the door or, you know, the shower is a big one. Definitely. Like, especially because I have to get dressed. I mean, like actually fully dressed before I take my kids to school school this year because I have to walk the twins into school. I know. That's not good. (laughs) Which I haven't done in years. I've gotten so lazy and so used to basically taking my kids to school in my pajamas. So this year I have to actually get dressed. And so I'm like always at the last minute, like, okay, do I have time to shower? Should I just put on yoga pants? What am I doing? Yeah, it's a bad one for me. I'm so glad I'm not alone in that. (laughs) You're totally not alone. Oh, what's your lie? Okay. One of the sillier ones, I guess, is that I for a long time have believed I should feel really guilty about any kind of like trash TV that I love. (laughs) Oh, dear. Or any kind of trash music. Like, I genuinely love top 40 American pop, whatever is on, you know, your local top 40 radio station, whether it's Justin Bieber or Harry Styles or Taylor Swift or whoever, Selena Gomez. I really do love that music. And I used to feel like so guilty about it. Like I'm an adult. I should have refined tastes. Or, you know, I've said this on the show before. One of my favorite TV series ever was HBO's True Blood, which is pure trash and I used to feel like so (laughs) guilty but I have come to believe and and really truly do espouse this truth now just like what you like and there's no need to apologize for it or feel guilty you like what you like and it's okay totally okay along those same theme a little bit another lie that I have is that I will only watch one more YouTube video and then I'm gonna go to sleep Or play one more round of Laura's addictive wood puzzle game that she mentioned on the Sorry Not Sorry episode. Laura, I'm coming for you. Why did you share that horrible game with me? Yeah, I always think, oh, just one more. And then it's not just, no, it's not just one more. They're like potato chips. Mm -hmm. I just can't stop. Mm -hmm. I can't. Yeah. I am terrified to even put that game on my phone, that wooden puzzle game, because I have heard so many people say they just can't stop playing it. And I'm like, no, I can't even have that in my life. I can't even open the door for that kind of addiction. (laughs) I never downloaded Candy Crush because I felt like the hype around it was like, I can't stop. Well, Laura didn't mention that when she endorsed Wood Puzzle. So, yeah, don't do it. Don't do it. Very, very intense. Okay, My next one that's a little bit more lighthearted before we dig into the serious stuff is I don't know if this is even a discussion about or in different parts of the country. But my lie that I believe for a long time is that girls don't like to drive 
pickup trucks. Or if you did like to drive a pickup, you're a very specific kind of girl or woman, the kind that wears cow girl boots and maybe a a hat and, you know, maybe lives out in the country or actually uses a pickup truck for actual reasons that have to do with, you know, their job or whatever. Kyle has driven a pickup truck for like probably, oh gosh, probably 10 years now. And because of the way our driveway is set up, we have to park in single file. So we have to shuffle our vehicles around a lot. And so oftentimes, if I'm just running somewhere quickly by myself, I just take his truck. And Rebecca, I will be dadgummed, but what I don't love to drive his truck. It really is fun. Yeehaw! There you go, Meg! (laughs) And so, you know, for a long time I'd be like, oh gosh, I have to drive this dumb truck. But then really, truly, it's been a revelation in the past, I don't know, year or so that when I'm driving, I'm like, I actually really like driving this. And so, yeah, the truth is you can be the kind of girl who would prefer a dress with pockets, preferably, and flip-flops and still like driving a pickup truck. So... Okay, well, that kind of got us warmed up, but I do know that we have some more serious topics that we wanted to talk about because genuinely, like I said earlier in the episode, I think all of us have these things. I think really some of them have, they maybe found a, um, they took root in childhood or in your young adult life and have just kind of spread over time. Maybe some of them had a little bit of truth at one time that they're not true anymore. There's just so many different ways that things that are not true can creep into our brain. We can start to believe those things that are not true. And yeah, there's a huge feeling of empowerment when you confront the stuff that's not true and really begin to adjust your thinking towards the things that are true. So Rebecca, since this was all your idea to talk about, why don't you start us with talking about one of these lies that you have believed in the past? So the first one that I have is that I was not a good enough mom to have more kids. Mm. So I actually said this before back in April in episode 98, but I feel like it's worth saying again. So forgive the repeat here, but I had heard from some listeners that when I started sharing this, it really resonated with them. And so I want you all to just hear this again, that when Nate and I were talking about adding to our family and whether or not we wanted to go from two kids to three kids, My husband was much more confident in the decision than what I was, and I really debated, and I wasn't sure if I was ready, and so many times I would find myself having a bad moment, a bad parenting day, bad mom day, not that I necessarily was having a hard time. But my children were having a hard time and I was struggling to how to handle it or I just felt frustrated or overtouched or whatnot. And I would find myself thinking, well, Rebecca, how would you be handling this if there was a baby here? How would you be handling this if there was another one? That would just add to the chaos. You can't handle the two that you have. What makes you think that you should add another one? (sighs) And that was really, really a difficult time for me. And it didn't even dawn on me that that was like this big lie that I was believing right away. And so I'd have these bad days and I'd be mulling over, you know, my husband and I mulling over the idea of adding to our family. And I just felt so uncertain. And I really thought for a while that the answer was no, mm-hmm. that I just wasn't good enough of a mom to handle more than two and one day it just hit me Rebecca this is a lie that you are believing about yourself knock it off like just shut that down okay number one you're not a bad mom 
okay? And you will find the strength to carry on. Now, since having Isaac, I have had bad days. You know, I have cried and sent my husband frantic text messages, but never once have I felt like I was a bad mom who chose to have too many kids. You know, instead, I felt like, well, parenting is hard because it is, and this just wasn't the best day. Right. And then I haven't blamed myself. I haven't felt like, well, the problem is me or the problem is the number of kids I have. No, parenting is just hard in general. So there's going to be good days and there's going to be bad days. It's so true. Parenting is hard in general. Whether you have one child or eight children, any number of children that you're managing during the day that you're loving on, taking care of, keeping up with, it's hard. So yeah, I mean, because it is so hard, I think that that leaves the door open for lots of different lies to come in that we convince ourselves of. So yeah, I totally get that. And I'm so glad that you have told yourself to stop it. (laughs) Because truly, you're an amazing mom. And I think too, that we, you know, We don't give ourselves enough credit for what great parents most of us are. Most of us are doing our very best to raise our kids with love and attention and opportunity and all of those things, really doing a just fine job at parenting. But it's easy to dwell on the things that we think are the big missteps for sure. Most definitely. And I feel like my girlfriends and I have joked with each other that if we are like so concerned and paranoid about ruining our children, then we're probably not actually ruining our children. (laughs) So true. It's so true. Well, the first lie that I was considering as we had this conversation is one that I have kind of alluded to and touched on in the past discussions on the show. And it's the lie that because I'm not a high energy, highly productive person, then that must mean I'm a failure and I'm failing at everything. Hmm. I think that, again, this is one reason why I have found so much hope and so much compassion for myself in personality typing systems because they've helped me to understand that even though I may have people in my life who are super highly productive and high energy and they just go, go, go from the minute they wake up in the morning until the minute they crash into bed at night, And, you know, from my viewpoint, I look at them and I feel like, oh my gosh, they get so much done. When I would see that, I would feel like it was a reflection back on me of how little I feel like I get done. And it has taken me a long time. And honestly, I'm kind of still in process of tearing down this lie in my mind to give myself grace and to understand that there's actually plenty of things that I get done. You know, every single morning that we have school, I make sure that four kids from ages four to 12 are up and getting dressed. And before we walk out the door, that everybody has their bags and their lunches and everybody's dressed and smells good. (laughs) Good being relative. (laughs) (laughs) Smells okay. (laughs) And I get my kids to school on time. And that is a huge value for me. And so that is something that I have put systems in place to be productive. And I get that accomplished every day. But Because it's such a routine, then I tend to just brush that to the side and really focus in on, but look at my other to-do list and look at how much I didn't get done. And Mm. it's just like this huge, you know, like spin cycle in my mind where I do not give myself credit for the things that I am productive in and only focus on those things that I didn't get checked off of the list. And I, it's almost like, this is the weird part. And this is where I know there's really some deception at work because it's almost like, I feel like because I'm not super productive that I'm a bad person like it's a moral thing of good and bad and I know like as I'm saying that out loud it's like that's crazy nobody 
believes that. But my self-talk, where I'm talking to myself about how much I'm getting done, can really go into that really critical place of like, who would leave this much undone on their to-do list? You are a bad person because you didn't get these things done. So a lot of self-compassionate talk happening and trying to correct that and recognize it for the lie that it is as it starts to pop up into my thoughts. That's really interesting. I feel like I need to mull that over some more because I would definitely fall more into your category of feeling like I'm not somebody who's go, go, go. I have friends who are extremely busy and they talk about how they like never sit down. I'm like, oh, I don't have that problem. (laughs) (laughs) I, I sit down plenty. But yeah, it seems like, but surely their lifestyle and the way that they move throughout their day is superior to my sloth-like mentality. (laughs) And there's a problem with me. But I have to say, like, I need to just think more on that. I don't even have anything insightful to say other than I'm having some kind of like aha moment that I didn't even realize that I had been thinking that way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We can talk more later after this show. Talk through (laughs) this. (laughs) Okay, what's next on your things that you've been contemplating just might not be true? Okay, so this one... I feel like I've worked through this one, but it did take me a little while. The lie that I shouldn't be upset or complain or be having a hard day because my life isn't as hard as someone else's life. Mm. And I feel like this is really hard to explain. And I was even talking to my husband about it last night and I felt like I kept going around and around. I was like, how do I say this? Does this make any sense? So I don't know if I even have like all the insightful words to say, but you know, more often than not, We could all use a healthy dose of perspective when it comes to when we are whining about our hard lives, right? You know, there's always somebody out there who's struggling more and we should be grateful for what we have. However, I don't think it's necessarily healthy to continuously shove our own feelings down too and tell ourselves that we shouldn't feel a certain way because it could be worse. You know, there is growth and strength and beauty that can come from processing our emotions in a healthy way. And I feel like we can really deprive ourselves if we're constantly saying, oh, but it could be this. Mm. Oh, but it could be worse. You know, like it's raining outside. Oh, well, you know, it could be flooding. I mean, that's healthy to some point, but yet it's not if it's our default. Mm. Yes, that's right. That's so true. And so I asked my husband because he works with people. He's the director of a homeless shelter. So he literally is spending his days with people who are having a harder time than what we are. I mean, they just are. They're experiencing homelessness. They're walking through immense stress and difficulty. And so I said to him, I said, do you observe people doing this? And he's like, well, not really. So I don't know if it's just me. (laughs) I don't know if it's just my friends or if it's like the church or just the circle that I'm in, but I feel like I've observed this. I know I've done it myself, but I feel like I do observe where, you know, like here's examples, you know, a mom who has one kid or two kids and feels like her hard days aren't valid or aren't as hard or as valid as the mom who has five kids. Or I just had a real life situation where a friend of mine needed surgery During a follow-up exam, they realized that there was this fluke 
problem that was happening and they had to go in again and do the surgery again resulting in I think like another like three weeks off work but there was this attitude of but you know it's okay yes this is an inconvenience but you know it's fine it's not terminal this isn't cancer and some of us were like hello like it's okay to be a little grumpy about having to have surgery again like this isn't like you caught another cold like this is it's okay like it's okay. Yes. You can be grumpy about this, but almost this feeling like, oh, but I shouldn't be. So I don't know, Meg, like I don't, maybe you have some insight. I don't even know exactly how to say it. I feel like there is a balance between the two. Yes. You know, if you're a spoiled brat, you know, sometimes you do need to be smacked upside the head with the reality that your life isn't so hard. But I also feel like just constantly shoving and pushing our emotions to the side. And maybe it's more even just that negative self-talk of, I shouldn't be feeling this way. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Instead of processing maybe why you're feeling this way or how to help yourself overcome these feelings that you're having. Instead, focusing on that, I shouldn't feel this way. Right. And belittling yourself of this isn't that bad. What's your problem? Right. Like, knock it off. You know, instead, work through it. Right. Instead of just pushing it to the side. I do have thoughts on this because I think that whether it's, I don't know if it's church culture or if it's American culture, but I do think that there is this thing of like, you have no right to complain. Think people have it worse. Just look around you. Other people have it worse than you do. So that comes in. The dangerous side that you touched on there is that when we shove our negative feelings down and don't allow ourselves to just feel our feelings, that can lead to even more self-destructive behaviors on down the road. Having several close friends and family members who are in recovery from various types of substance abuse and and just hearing them talk about some of the most eye-opening things they've learned in recovery programs. One of the first things is being okay with feeling your feelings. Because if you insist on stuffing down any kind of negative emotion for long enough, then eventually some people, not every person will do this, but some people will turn to some kind of outside coping mechanism that ultimately is unhealthy, whether it's substance abuse or shopping addiction or gambling. I mean, just something to like numb those bad feelings. And so a big part of recovery is learning how to feel your feelings. One technique that I have used a lot in this, because I struggle with it too, for sure, is in my work with Jen Hoffman, friend of the show Jen Hoffman, who has the Healthy Moving program. She taught me the practice, and this is a common practice, I think, in lots of therapeutic settings, is to just, when those feelings come up to the surface, to just sit back and observe them. And just to be able to have a more neutral feeling about your feelings. And so if resentment comes to the surface, to just be able to say, okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to pause and feel this right now. I am noticing that I'm feeling a lot of resentment about this. And sometimes even saying it out loud or writing it in your journal gives you the permission to just be like, okay, this is a thing and not feel like you have to stuff it down and not correct yourself right away and let yourself feel it. And I have found when you let yourself feel that feeling and just observe it and just notice it, that it's so much easier to give yourself compassion for it. You can acknowledge that it's there. You can say then, okay, I feel really resentful about this. However, in this situation, I'm going to do this. And, you know, maybe it's have a difficult conversation. Maybe it's just like, well, I'm just going to suck it up buttercup and move on. I mean, you have lots of options, but I think starting at the place of acknowledging what those feelings are and not trying to talk yourself out of how hard it is, is a huge healthy step that is really accessible. A lot of people 
can do when these types of thought patterns come into play. Yeah, I think ragging on yourself for having a hard day (laughs) doesn't help the hard day actually get any better. It really doesn't. It really doesn't. Good point. Okay, well, another one that I really struggle with and have struggled with in the past couple of years is the lie that I don't like my body for whatever reason, kind of fill in the blank, and it doesn't deserve good things. I don't deserve good things. So my body went through a ton of changes after I got pregnant with and had the twins and battled postpartum depression for a year. And I really struggled. And I'm a lot better about this now than I have been in a while. But I really struggled with even just buying myself a cute outfit or splurging on some expensive makeup that would make me feel, you know, pretty and make me feel like so happy when I looked in the mirror, I'd feel too guilty and just feel like because I wasn't happy with what I saw in the mirror, that I could somehow like punish myself (laughs) into changing. Mm -hmm. And that if I did do something nice for myself, if I allowed myself to experience a good thing, whether it was, you know, clothes or makeup or a fun haircut or whatever, that it would be like, saying to myself, oh, it's okay that, you know, that you look like this or whatever. And so for me in this process, It was really to dig to the root of that lie, I had to like get to like, oh wait, do I actually think it is okay for me to, you know, be in the space in this in the body that I'm in right now. That was hard work. That did not happen overnight. <laughs> that took a lot of reprogramming myself and a lot of self-work to be able to come to a place where I could be like, yeah, I am okay with what I see in the mirror and I do feel good about myself. And that kind of unlocked for me the ability to go ahead and seek out good things for myself. And I'm using material, you know, examples, but wouldn't even have to be something material. It could just be the overall view of myself that I deserve to think good thoughts about myself, even if I don't look like how I used to look or how our culture might say that I have to look. So yeah. So there was a lot. That's not just something that happened overnight. That was like over a year's worth of work and working things out. But now I can finally say I do not believe that lie anymore. I know that I deserve to be okay with myself and then to buy fun makeup and cute clothes and those types of things if you know as the occasion comes up so I think that's really relatable to women as a whole especially moms and all of the changes that we go through with pregnancy and I myself have pushed off on buying more clothes or adding to my wardrobe when I felt like I was in between sizes but what you said really struck me because for me I kind of justified it as that it was a waste of money to invest in a wardrobe that I wasn't going to stay in because heaven forbid I stay in that size. <laughs> right. 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 Yes. Like I think that was kind of the aha moment I was having as I was listening to you is, but what if I just chose to be happy mm-hmm. in the new size mm-hmm. or in the in-between size? Like it's okay. Like I don't have to wait to lose the five pounds, the 10 pounds, the 20 pounds, the however much. It's okay to try to look good where you're at. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's so smart. Okay, can I just say for any awesome who is out there who is discouraged about what their current size is and you are wearing jeans that are too tight, go buy yourself a pair of pants that fit. (laughs) Definitely. Yes. Because you'll feel so much better. Yes, you're not going to feel good wearing clothes that don't make you feel good. So... Like you said, you got to like suck it up buttercup and go and ignore the number that is on the tag and buy yourself clothes that you actually 
will feel good in. Yes. We don't need to like, yeah, belittle ourselves every day as we're struggling with that button at our waist. <laughs> it's not going to make us want to avoid the Oreos anymore. I mean, well, maybe, but like, it's oh, yeah, it's just not kind. I think that as women, we will be happier and healthier, the kinder that we are to ourselves. A hundred percent agree. Definitely. Also, yeah. pro tip, you could be like me and just convert to wearing dresses, which are far more forgiving than that pair of jeans <laughs> that you are wrestling with. <laughs> okay, let's hear one more, Rebecca, that you've kind of struggled with in the past and that you really are seeing the light on something that you have discovered the truth about. Okay, so this one is a little bit more subtle, but the lie is that good fortune and blessings are finite or that there isn't enough goodness to go around for everyone. So when I like really think about it, I know that that isn't how the world works. You know, logically, it's not right. But when I find myself feeling cranky about somebody else's good luck or their blessings, I'm usually not thinking very logically. Right. (laughs) So this kind of seeps in. So it's not always obvious to myself in the moment that my jealousy is happening because of this lie. But I truly feel like this is at the root of why I'm getting upset. So I felt this way, to give you a concrete example, I felt this way a lot with blogging. You know, I struggled as my blog was growing. I often let comparison steal my joy. And isn't that something that as bloggers, like we preached to each other and we heard at all the conferences, don't let comparison steal your joy. But, you know, even worse than comparing myself to somebody else and wishing I was doing that well, I sometimes failed to celebrate other people's growth and success because of Mm. this stupid lie. So someone else's success would sometimes trigger this small fear in the back of my mind that so-and-so blogger was getting bigger, getting a bigger piece of the pie than what I was, and that there wouldn't be as much pie left to go around. Right. Yes. However, the reality is that there's plenty of blog readers to go around and people can read more than one blog. (laughs) One blogger wasn't going to steal all the readers away from my blog. You know, but this happens, this goes beyond blogging. You know, Frank gets a raise or buys a nice house or wins some awesome raffle prize, you know, whatever it is. And we think, oh, geez, that must be nice. Almost like it's an insult to us. Why? Like, why do we let other people's good fortune bring us down instead of celebrating with them? It's like somebody has something good happen to them and then we get all cranky about it. Well, why? Right. I do think, and there's lots of research you can dig into on this, but it's this idea of scarcity and abundance. And the scarcity idea, like what you said, that there's a finite amount of goodness, whatever that might be. And if someone gets it, that that means it's taking from you or that that is no longer available to you. And so it's definitely a mindset shift to think, okay, like, actually, I think that there is enough good and just because one person got this thing doesn't mean that it's now off the table for me. Right. And of course, you know, that might look different in different situations. But I think that that scarcity thing is very, very easy to fall into thinking along those lines. And it takes a lot of work to climb out of that for sure. And I really do think it's kind of subtle. Like I think when we're getting cranky about it, about other people's good fortune. I don't think we're sitting here thinking, oh, well, that means it's less for me. I think it's this subtle thing that we're just not even aware that that's what we're thinking. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for those of the Christian faith, it's like we believe that, you know, maybe God only has five blessings to hand out every day. And once they're gone, 
you're out of luck. Well, that's not true. God is bigger than five blessings a day. There's enough to go around for everyone. So, you know, just trying to recognize the difference between jealousy and the difference between, you know, this scarcity feeling and, you know, comparison and just trying to choose to be just truly happy when good things happen to other people. It doesn't mean that I'm only going to have bad things happen to me now. Yeah, that's a big one. That is very big. But I love how you kind of circled back around to what the truth is there. So the last one that I really, again, this is one that I'm still struggling with. I now have embraced the truth on the other side of this lie, but it is tough for me. And the lie is I am responsible for my children's happiness. That I personally have to make sure that the world that my children live in is happy all the time. <laughs> This is something like it's one of those things that's kind of like I've known that in my heart, but I never really verbalized it or vocalized it until I was talking about it with my therapist over the summer, talking about some things that happened in my childhood and how that has translated into my adult life. And as I was talking to her, I was like, I was realizing, oh my gosh, like this is truer than I knew it was that I have extended so much energy, so much mental energy and physical energy into trying to keep everything happy for my kids all the time. And so in talking through that, coming to the realization of what kind of world am I creating and what kind of people am I raising to go out into the world? Because as all of us grown-ups know, (laughs) the real world is not happy, happy, happy all the time. (laughs) Not so much. And so by insisting on keeping the conditions right for happiness in our home at all times, what I'm actually doing is creating people who are going to go out into the world and be shocked and maybe not even able to function in a world that really doesn't care if they're happy or not. And so even in the little things that I've done by not really making them, for example, do chores or even my girls who are 10 and 12 now, making them set their own alarms to wake up in the morning. I go in and wake them up and get them started on the day. Just like all of the little things. And then a lot of the big things that I do are so that I can keep disappointment at bay. But the truth is they need to learn how to deal with disappointment in day-to-day life. And that's not a lesson that we want them to learn when they're, you know, 18, 19 and leave the house for the first time and go out into the big bad world. There's got to be some scenarios and some circumstances where they experience unhappiness even in, you know, their own home under the roof they've grown up in. So that has been a really tough one. And like I said, I'm still in the middle of it because internally I'm still really resistant to my kids being unhappy or to them being disappointed about something. So again, it's a lot of work for me as a person to remind myself it's Okay, in fact, it's good for them to experience some disappointment, to experience some unhappiness, to think that life is not fair, to kind of start to understand that life isn't fair. And also that right now I'm right there alongside them, giving them the tools that they're going to need to deal with their disappointment in life. So So are there some small baby steps that you've taken to initiate sadness in your house? (laughs) (laughs) Bring on the sadness. A lot of it's changing our habits. So a lot of it truly, and my girls are like, I love them. They're amazing human beings, but they get so sad slash angry slash frustrated about having to do chores. So it's like a lot of like new habits. Like, okay, before we leave the house in the morning, you have to go clean the bathroom and you need to go around and make sure everyone's pajamas are in the dirty clothes. And just like kind of instituting some new routines that are more chore based that like, it doesn't sound like that would bring in a lot of sadness, (laughs) probably 
for a lot of kids, but for my kids, they're dealing with it. And so we're starting there. And then it's kind of like looking at opportunities. One time this year, the school year, I've taken something up to my daughter who is in seventh grade and had left it at home. And I was like, this is it. This was your free pass for the year. Anything that gets left at home from now on, I'm sorry, but you will have to deal with whatever the consequence is of having left it at home. I'm not making any more return trips. And that kind of like startled her because last year in one month alone, I had probably taken five or six things up to her that she had forgotten. So that's going to be the first time that happens. And I'm sure that it will. That's going to be a pretty big, sad and disappointing moment. But again, you may as well learn it in seventh grade as opposed to when you're starting your new job or whatever. Right. And I can imagine that when that happens, it's going to be a big deal for you too to like Uh stick to your guns yes and process all of that (laughs) it probably feels easier to you to make the drive than it does to process all of the feelings and all the emotions and all the negativity from yourself as well as from her yeah absolutely does feel easier to just do it again because it would prevent her bad feelings and then it would help me not have to work through my own feelings about her bad feelings (laughs) this has been a very feelings heavy show rebecca (laughs) i am an esfp with the biggest possible f possible (laughs) that didn't even make any sense but i don't even care it's just how i'm so feelings based yes yes Uh, and everything that you have shared and everything that you've said like i just resonate with what you say i just think that these are just things that yeah they're universal they're just things that we struggle with and i think recognizing the struggle is the first very important step to finding healing and moving past things is just to recognize hey this is actually how i've been thinking this is how i've been feeling and that's a lie and it's not true that's and so now what do i do with that oh so good Well, awesomes, today we have been talking about recognizing those lies that we've believed to be the truth about ourselves in some part of our life. And I am so thrilled to welcome to Sorta Awesome today, someone who can bring us some wisdom and some insight about what to do once you've recognized that you've been believing a lie and you're ready to rebuild your thought patterns in some healthy ways. So Annie Wright, is a licensed psychotherapist and social justice advocate who is working for the psychological and social empowerment of women and girls all around the globe. She is a published writer. She has pieces and opinions that have appeared in Forbes and Upworthy and The Mighty and all kinds of places. And Annie currently maintains a thriving psychotherapy private practice in the San Francisco Bay Area. So Annie, welcome to Sorta Awesome. Thank you so much, Meg. I'm so happy to be here. Well, Rebecca and I were, when we were planning this conversation and talking about lies we've believed, how to overcome them, you just came to mind immediately. I have followed your blog, your writing for over two years now. And through your writing, I know that a key part of your mission with your work, the work that you do with your clients, the work that you are doing through the online realm, just all around the world is helping people transform their negative thoughts, those um, blocks, those resistances, those thought patterns that are really keeping them from really living into what they're created to do on this planet. So let's just kind of start at the beginning. In your experience, as you've worked with clients, as you have talked with people through the years, what are some common ways that people kind of first have that aha moment when they realize that they've been believing something about themselves that just isn't true? Oh, gosh, such a great question. Well, I think I think there's a couple different ways. One, 
something can happen along the lines of um, a habit or a behavior or a pattern stops working quite so well. Um, and in that case, somebody has some awareness that maybe this belief I have about I'm always going to end up uh, on the streets as a bag lady, maybe that stops working quite so well because they realize they're living in fear and anxiety all the time. Um, another way that people frequently realize that they have some limiting beliefs or lies about themselves is when they experience a bit of a cognitive dissonance, meaning that the thought they keep having does not match the internal experience, and then they get really curious about it. So in my experience, those are the two big ways that people initially start to realize, huh, what is this thought, what is this behavior, this pattern I'm having, and does it really match up with my reality? And if it doesn't, what do I do about it? Exactly. Oh, that's so true. That cognitive dissonance thing really rings true for me. I know I've experienced yeah. that my own self and in lots of different contexts where I've just had that moment of just being like, oh, I always thought this thing was true. But like when I'm really realistic about what's in front of my, you know, in front of my face or what's happening here in reality, they don't match. So absolutely. I think that's a really common experience. And it can really challenge us to then look at, well, where is this thought coming from? How did I come by this belief? And what do I want to believe differently if this is no longer the belief that's really serving me? Absolutely. And that's what I cannot wait to hear your wisdom okay. on once we've really come into that process of recognizing it. And we sort of have that forward momentum of like, okay, this is not true. But how do like, where do we go from there? What's the next step in building some healthier thought patterns for ourselves? Yeah, yeah. So this is something I tell all the clients um, who work with me. Um, the process of change when it comes to our thoughts and our patterns and our beliefs, it's simple, but it's not easy. Okay. It's simple. <laughs> it's simple because the first part of change is always bringing your awareness to what is. And mm. um, again, what are the thoughts I'm having? How does this make me feel when I have them? What triggers this thought or this pattern or this behavior? We want to be curious too about the origins of this thought, this pattern, this belief. But then once we have the awareness, we start to bring our awareness closer and closer to the moment where the thought actually happens. Meaning instead of the thought occurs to you two days after you had a fight with your partner, you try and catch yourself more and more in the moments, like closer to the moment where the fight is happening. Oh, I just, I just tried to pick a fight with my partner. You bring your awareness closer to the moment where the action or the belief is happening from there. And this is the, this is the harder part. We pause and we try and create choice and substitute a different thought. And that's a longer term process. We can substitute a more effective uh, belief or behavior or pattern. Mm. And the way we can do that is by either, if we can, self-generating a healthier thought or belief. If we can't think of a healthier belief or pattern, we can think, okay, well, what would my best girlfriend say about this? What would my, um, what would my therapist say about this? What would a pen and paper mentor or a real life mentor say about this? We substitute different behaviors, different thoughts, different patterns in those moments. Now, the thing I always say about this, again, simple, but not easy awareness, closer and closer to the moment where it happens and pausing and creating choice and substituting a different thought. The thing is, it took some time for your thoughts and your beliefs to develop. It's going to take some time to practice and rewrite a different thought pattern. Mm. That is so true. And I'm just thinking about one of the lies that I talked about um, with, in, in my conversation with Rebecca is believing that I 
am responsible for my children's happiness in the sense that I'm responsible to keep them happy, happy, happy all the time. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. And yes. that, that one is kind of, you know, it found its root probably in some unhappiness in childhood and then just has grown through the years. I've been a mom for almost 13 years. And so, mm-hmm. like you said, that's something that I've, that's a, a place I was operating from for years. And so I've tried to be compassionate with myself as I have recognized it and working on it because there are some days where I really can, I like I know where my boundaries are. I can do that self-talk thing of like, it is okay for my children to be unhappy. Unhappiness is sometimes a part of life. And, you know, just like the script yes. that I have for mm-hmm. myself. But then mm-hmm. there are days when it's just easier to just fall back into those old patterns of just trying to keep everybody happy. And then I get frustrated with myself. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you said that, that yeah. it's, it's not an overnight thing that's going to happen. Oh, gosh, no, not at all. And in fact, there's neuroscience to, to back this up. I mean, it's really, again, science based. The reality is when we tell ourselves a repeated thought or we do a repeated behavior, it creates a neural groove in our brain, a neural pathway. And those are literally tiny little grooves in our brain. It's um, it's a little bit like thinking of a groove on an old time record, right? Mm-hmm. And the longer we do a groove, the longer we have a thought, the deeper the groove gets. And so when we are changing a belief about ourselves or a pattern or behavior, it's like trying to create a new groove in our brain, a new neural pathway. And it takes time, again, to develop something like that. And it takes time, too, to lessen the intensity of the former one. So compassion, just like you're talking about, is such a perfect practice for this process. We have to be gentle with ourselves and say, okay, yeah, today I don't have the energy to challenge that thought. It actually feels easier to be in the old habits, the old patterns. That's fine. It's all part of the process. Oh, that's so good to know. This has been so helpful. And I know that for the awesomes who are listening, who are maybe as Rebecca and I have been talking, have been kind of thinking through, okay, what have I been believing? It's really hard to know where that next step is. So this has been so helpful. And awesomes who are listening, if what Annie is saying is resonating with you, and you would like to find out more about Annie's work, I'm telling you, she has she has put out some of the most life-giving wisdom that I've read just on her blog, but she has a ton of free resources. In fact, Annie, one thing that was a free resource of yours back from when I first found your blog and your writing that has helped so much was your uh, little handbook for life's tough times. I know that you um, have continued to create resources and all of that you guys, you can find over um, on Annie's website, which is AnnieWrightPsychotherapy.com, which we will put in the show notes, but there's, there's tons of information there from Annie and you can find out more about working with her on an individual basis there as well. So Annie, thank you so much for your time today. I so appreciate you coming on sort of awesome. Oh, Meg, you are so welcome. It really has been my pleasure. Thank you so much. Okay, well, thank you all so much for joining us in this discussion. We're sharing some pretty vulnerable stuff from our own lives, but more than anything, we hope that this is helping you to examine your life. What are some lies you've believed about yourself, about others, about home life, about work, whatever the thing is. So if you would like to share some of the discoveries and realizations that you're having, we would love to hear about it on social media as much as you might like to share with us. So Rebecca, remind everyone where we can find you all around the web. Well, you can find my blog at simplyrebecca.com where I talk about parenting, share money-saving tips and things on how to live naturally. And then you can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Simply Rebecca. Okay. And you can find me 
on Twitter and Instagram at Sorta Awesome Meg. And don't forget, you can always find the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash Sorta Awesome. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created by me, Megan Teets, and is produced each week in collaboration with Kelly Gordon, Rebecca Hoffer, and Laura Tremaine. Visit us on the web at SortaAwesomeShow.com, where you can sign up for the show's newsletter, connect with the Sorta Awesome community, and find show notes for each episode of Sorta Awesome. Music is provided by the band Prager. Find out more at PragerMusic.com. We'll meet you back here next time as we discover, explore, and discuss all the things that make life sorta amazingly awesome. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.